Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Welcome, 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 everyone. Thrilled to have you with us today as we wrap up our our series on mountains. Hey, before we dive in, uh, this is Thanksgiving week. I hope you love Thanksgiving week. I know it'll look different probably for most of you this year, maybe not as many family uh, together and gathered, but hopefully it can still be an enjoyable time and, and you can give thanks and be thinking about ways to give thanks to God even throughout this week. Uh, uh, so one of the things I did yesterday is I just uh, kind of had a craving to have cri- uh, Thanksgiving before Thanksgiving. And so I told Heather, I said, hey, I- I'm going to run over to co- uh, Costco. They have uh, like, you can buy all the pre-made Thanksgiving food and I'll eat it today, maybe tomorrow if there's any leftover and just kind of get some of that out of my system. And, uh, you know, maybe even thinking that could be the way we go on Thanksgiving Day. So I went to Costco, bought the pre-made stuffing, the gravy, the, you know, this turkey wrapped in in stuff inside. I mean, so I got it all, right? The pre-made mashed potatoes. Had it last night. And let me just say this. If you are considering going this route, don't. (laughs) No, seriously, don't. It was... Can I say terrible? Yes, it was t- absolutely terrible. Um, I'm gonna, it's gonna be rough getting through the rest today. So I can't wait in the Delft's household to have real Thanksgiving, a real turkey, real stuffing, real mashed potatoes, all that, a real gravy. Uh, so anyway, just a little tip for any of you who are thinking uh, of going the pre-made route, stick with what works, uh, especially this year. All right, sounds good. So like I mentioned, we're wrapping up our series called Mountains. And whenever God sent someone or took someone to a mountain, what have we been saying? Whenever that happens, what happens? Something big happens, right? Say big, say big, something big happens. God uses mountain experiences in our lives to grow us, grow our faith, stretch our faith, to trust in him. God uses them to show us who he is and and that he can be trusted. And he shows us his plans. He reveals his plans to us and shows us his plan for our our life, the direction for our life. Well, this week, we are traveling to a mountain where Jesus delivered his most famous, most important sermon or teaching. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. Now, here's the verse, Matthew 5. We're going to be in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is. And it starts off and it says in chapter 5, verse 1, when Jesus saw the crowds, He went up onto a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Now, tradition tells us that Jesus taught on the southern slopes of the Chorazim Plateau. This is located on the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Now, today, there's a church there that's called the Church of, Be- of the Beatitudes. It's an amazing church. It's a, it's a peaceful area. It's a beautiful area. Now, why did Jesus choose this location? It's possible he chose it because it was a great place to gather the thousands who had come to hear him. It had incredible acoustics. The the view was beautiful. Uh, uh, Cities and villages were close by. Peter's uh, uh, city of Capernaum was just right over, uh, really you could say down the street, so to speak. And, And so there are villages all close by. Now, it would take me months and months 
to teach through the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, Jesus taught about prayer. He taught about justice, caring for the needy. He taught about handling the, how to handle the religious law and, and divorce and fasting and judging other people and salvation and, and so much more. Of course, we have the, the, sermon, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the sermon of the Beatitudes and um, we have the Lord's Prayer, which are, are super, super famous. It is just such a rich teaching of Jesus. Now, since I don't have, you know, months, since I don't have three months to teach this, I only have 30 minutes, we're going to look at the overall theme today, and then I would highly encourage you this week to read through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Read through the whole Sermon on the Mount yourself. Now, let's look at the summary. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus, this is kind of what, after all the teaching, here's kind of the, the conclusion. He says this, Matthew 7, verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 25, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now here's the point. Those who build their life on Jesus, those who put his words into practice, into our life, he says they are the wise ones. But it's those who ignore Jesus' teachings, those who ignore the words of Jesus, those who don't live out the words of Jesus, those who don't practice the words of Jesus, he says, they are the foolish people. Now, here's the question for you to think about today. Who are you building your life on? Who are you building your life on? Are you building your life on, on Jesus' words and his ways and his will for your life? Are you putting his teachings, his words into your life? Or are you ignoring or perhaps even rejecting his ways and his plans for your life? You and I, we're either going to stand or we are going to fall based on the foundation that we have built our life upon. Now, on this particular mountain where Jesus gathers the disciples, we are asking ourselves the question today. Who is the Lord of our life? Who's in charge of our life? Is it me or is it Jesus? Am I a true follower of Jesus or am I more just a fan of Jesus? You see, fans of Jesus, they, they, they take, they listen to Jesus and they take what they prefer. They take what they uh, 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 like, but then they just kind of leave the rest. They pick and choose the teachings of Jesus according to what fits into their own opinions. Now, how do you be a follower of Jesus and not just a fan? How do you put your life in Jesus? How do you, using Jesus' terms in Matthew 7, how do you stand on the rock? That's what we want to talk about today. That's to summarize this whole teaching. And the way it starts is, the way we, you know, build on the life, the way we're a follower of Jesus and not a fan is that we, first of all, we trust Jesus' practices over our, pres uh, our preferences, we trust Jesus' practices or teachings over our preferences. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Whoever hears these words of mine 
and puts them into practice. I want you to say practice. Say practice. Practice whoever hears these words and puts them into practice. Now, how do we do that? How can we put the words of Jesus into our lives? How can we put his words into practice so that we can trust what he says? How do we do that? Romans chapter 12 says this. It says that we are not to be like the world, but we are actually to be transformed. How does that happen? Or how does that happen? He says, by renewing our mind. By renewing our mind. One translation says, change the way that you think. So, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is going straight at the way that you and I think. He says this, he says, I'm going to give you some teaching that is new to you, that's different, that's foreign to you. And I really want you to think about this, because you're gonna, going to have some decisions to make. Are you going to trust my practices over your preferences? Are you going to trust these practices that I have for your life, these teachings I have for your life, or are you going to trust your preferences, your opinions, your desires? Are you willing to change the way that you think? For example, Matthew chapter 5 kicks off with the Beatitudes. This is the most famous part of the sermon. And Jesus says, I want you to trust me that these qualities, that these characteristics, these are the way to a blessed life or a happy life. Will you trust that these beatitudes, will you trust that these practices are best for your life? Will you trust these over your own preferences? And so he goes on and he begins to teach. And and this is a famous, certainly famous, maybe you've heard of it, much of it. Blessed are those. That's how he starts off. Blessed are those who, right? And that word blessed means happy. Happy are those who. And then he says, who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who are merciful, those who are peacekeepers, those who are pure in heart, and much more. Now, when the disciples heard this, they must have thought to themselves, I'm not blessed. I'm not happy if I live that way. That's foreign to the way we've been taught. But remember, Jesus is wanting to, us to change the way that we think, to be transformed by renewing our mind. He's wanting us to trust his practices, these ways of living, that they're better than our preferences, the way we think, the way we choose to, to, to examine or look out at the way life is. As some people have called it, the Beatitudes are, are to be your attitude. Will these be your attitude? Jesus continues, and then he goes on, and he gives us a series of statements. And he said, this next passage is say, you have heard it said. And then he goes on, and he says, you know, he's referring to the law. And he says, you have heard it said, you know, don't murder. Don't commit uh, adultery. When you get a divorce, do it this way. And, and, and when you get, make an oath, you're to de- declare it this way. And, and you're to treat others commiserate to the way that you've been treated. You know, the whole eye for an eye. You have heard it said. then Jesus says this, but I say, you've heard it said, and then he lists all those, but I say, in other words, my way is better. So I want you to change the way that you think about all of these behaviors. He's saying, trust me, the issue isn't murder. The issue is the anger that we have in our heart and on our minds. The issue isn't adultery. The issue is what's going on inside It's actually the lust that's in our heart and in our minds. 
The issue isn't divorce, but whether or not we're actually committed, whether or not we're faithful. Jesus says, I want you to be faithful. Jesus says, I don't actually want you making oaths. I just want your yes to be yes and your no to be no. And sure, you can get even with people. You can treat others as they've treated you, but I have a better way. Because the real issue is not whether or not we get get even. The real issue is love and forgiveness. This was so contrary to the teaching of Jesus' days that what everybody else taught, but Jesus was saying, I want followers, not fans. I want followers and followers will trust these new behaviors. They'll trust these new practices over your current preferences, over your own opinions, over your own judgment, over the wisdom of the world, over the so-called experts. Trust what Jesus says. Change the way you think. Get your mind right first. Now, let me tell you why this is so incredibly important. If I'm motivated externally or or extrinsically, right? You know, okay, I need to follow God's law because it says, and all right, I'll, I'll do my best to do that. Extrinsic, external motivation, that just doesn't last. That's not sustainable. Eventually, we'll give up. Or we'll give in, right? We'll give in to our appetites, whatever they are. We'll give in to our own desires, our our own opinions, our own preferences, even our own emotions. For example, let's take the topic of of, of giving or tithing, one of the topics in the Sermon on the Mount. And and think about this. Those who dabble in giving, you know, I'm just going to give occasionally. I'm not going to give consistently. I'm not going to give with a predetermined amount. Those are the people who haven't really truly been transformed yet in their mind. They haven't changed the way they think yet. So, using Jesus' analogy in in Matthew 7, when the storms come, and there's all sorts of storms in our life, right? It it could be economic issues. It could be, you know, hey, I got to send the kids to college and I need to save up for that. It could be just our desires for for new or bigger or better. I mean, the, 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 the Black Friday sales are already happening and I want the bigger TV. I want this. I want that, right? Or maybe, you know, why would I give if I'm not even physically attending church right now? Or I'm on vacation. Why would I give? Whatever it is, those are all some version of a storm. When those come into our lives, if we haven't trusted Jesus' practices, his teachings, then we'll stop giving, either temporarily or maybe even permanently. Because it's easy. It's easy to justify why we won't give or why we can't give or why we shouldn't give. On the other hand, Those who have renewed their minds, those who have trusted Jesus' practices, those who have changed the way they think, they trust Jesus' ways and Jesus' words. Man, our behavior, our preferences are, are consistent. They're consistent and they're constant. Our behaviors aren't determined by our current economic situation or our current issues or our current challenges or our desires or our vacations or Christmas or or any of that. I've been transformed. I've renewed my mind. And so my behavior follows. My belief is that I trust Jesus above all else. I trust his ways. I trust his practices over my preferences. And what does he say? 
He says to give and to give faithfully. He says to give our first fruits. He says to be generous, to seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. He says that's the way to our heart. And Jesus says when we do that, he'll take care of us. He'll provide for our needs. And the question is, do I trust that? If so, my behavior will follow. You see, the person who trusts that God's ways work better now, forever, and always, over my own ways, that is the person who is far more likely to put into practice the teachings of Jesus. They are the wise person. They are the ones who will stand. So how do you be a follower of Jesus and not just a fan? How do you put your life in Jesus? How do you build on the rock that he talks about in Matthew 7? Well, Matthew 5 is all about trusting what Jesus says, trusting his words and his ways, trusting these practices that he talks about over our own preferences, doing what he says. Well, there's another way that you and I put our life in Jesus, that we build on the rock, that, we, that we're a follower of Jesus and not a fan of Jesus. And that's that we will grow privately and not just publicly. That we grow privately and we're not just concerned about our public perceptions or our public image. See, that's what Matthew 6 is all about. Matthew chapter 5 is all about getting our mind right. Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount is all about getting our heart right. We would say, according to Matthew 7 language, getting the foundation right. Because he says in Matthew chapter 7, your foundation, using his uh, picture, his metaphor, is either built on rock or built on sand or built on soil. Now, what is the foundation of a house? The foundation of a house is the hidden part of a house, right? And, and that's the part you and I that we can't see. Jesus is saying, you know, you can appear to have this beautiful house, this amazing house, this remarkable house. But if that foundation is soft, if it's not, you know, compacted properly, if it's not composed of the right material, material then you're going to be in trouble. A great house can co collapse from a bad foundation. This week, I, I just kind of dove in on the internet and looked for stories and videos of, you know, houses collapsing and falling. And so I've watched these articles and or read these articles, watched these videos, these news stories. And man, there's so much all over the internet of houses that were built on the wrong kind of soil. Whether it was, it was the wrong soil, it wasn't compacted, it wasn't, it wasn't treated properly, whatever it was. And then you these amazing, beautiful houses that look great on the outside. But underneath the foundation wasn't right and they would be destroyed. But then you have houses that were built on rock or in some cases they were built on concrete pylons that were driven deep, deep, deep into the ground, which is essentially the same way of saying it was built upon rock. Man, I would see these images and pictures and videos of these buildings that were secure, that they stood, the, the tsunamis even, and the storms that came. The foundation is the hidden part of the house. It's the hidden part of the house, and it has to be right, or it will eventually fall. So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching us to work on the hidden things of our life, to work on that which... Others may or may not see. Don't just work on our public image. 
Grow privately. Make sure your foundation is secure. Make sure the hidden things of your life with God are right. Make sure that which no one else even knows about. Make sure that that's right with God. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, he says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in the front of others to be seen by them. Because if you do that, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Then Jesus goes on and he gives us a series of examples. He talks about giving. He talks about praying. He talks about fasting and storing up and, and serving. And Jesus says, in all of these areas, I want you to grow privately. I want you to get right with the internal motivation, the internal desires. I want those to be right. In other words, get your priorities straight inside. Get those right. So he says to, in this section, it's, that's when he says, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. That God is the priority above all, that he is our foundation. And yet, aren't most people concerned more about their public image? Not so much what's going on inside or privately or, or when the camera is off, but what's the public perception? What's the public image? For many today, the public perception is far more important than their private world, than their internal world. Wouldn't you agree with me? It's crazy with social media, with, with, with television, magazines, all of that. It's crazy what that has done to us. We live in this world today where if we're going to post something, it must be filtered. Now, what do I mean by that? It means you use a filter, right? Many of you know what I'm talking about. You got to use a filter before you post that, that picture. In other words, you know, and there's even been articles lately of, of women who would post unedited or unfiltered photos of themselves, right? They'll show what they look like when the picture isn't touched up, when it isn't edited, when it isn't, uh, 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 you know, filtered. And, 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 you know, maybe they see the cellulite or this, or they don't look quite as good as they do on the uh, filtered pictures. And man, some of them in the, in the recent months, they've been hammered on social media. It's so sad that people actually want the fake version of us, that they want the, the, the filtered version of us. How often today because this is the world we live in. How often have we watched public celebrities, even in the church world, because their foundation, their internal world wasn't right, their hearts weren't right, we've watched them fall. Jesus isn't impressed with our edited photos. And Jesus said something very interesting in Matthew chapter 23. He was talking to the, the, the you know, the YouTubers, the, the, the Instagram, uh, the people on Instagram or TikTok or all that who were sensations or the reality TV stars of his day. He was talking to them and he said this, Matthew 23, he said, you Pharisees and teachers are in for trouble. You're nothing but show-offs. You're like tombs that have been whitewashed. On the outside, you're beautiful, but on the inside, you're full of bones and filth. Jesus wants us to get right, to get right on the inside, to get right privately, to grow privately, just like our homes. If our foundation is right, the house will last. It will stand 
So grow privately. And Jesus says when that happens, he says in Matthew chapter 6 in this passage, when we grow privately, when we get right internally, Matthew chapter 6, verses 4, verses 6, and verses 18, he says, then your father who sees what is done in secret, he'll reward you. So how do you be a follower of Jesus and not just a fan of Jesus? How do you put your life in Jesus? How do you stand on the rock How do you build your life on the rock? Well, we trust Jesus and his words and his ways. We trust his practices, his teachings, his practices over our preferences. And we grow privately in our hearts and not just trying to put on a public image. Well, there's another way to build our life on the rock and be a follower and not just a fan. And that's to be faithful to value faithfulness in our life. In Matthew chapter seven, he goes on in this, this, this metaphor, this image he talks about, and he says, the rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. And then he go, went on to say, one, ho- one of the houses uh, stood, one house stood and one house fell or one house sank. See, Matthew seven is all about faithfulness. The faithfulness of those who build their lives on the foundation, on the rock of Jesus Christ. They are the ones who stand. And so he goes on in this passage, he said, build your life on Jesus. Don't judge others. Don't worry about them. God will take care of that. They are the ones who who, who build their life on God. They're the ones who come faithfully to God because they ask God, they seek God, and they go after God, and they keep knocking. And you have that whole passage that you're just faithful to ask and seek and knock again and again and again. They're faithful in this passage uh, to the kingdom of God, to the priorities of God. As they choose to enter the narrow gate to to enter into the kingdom of God, that they're faithful to that that they're faithful to do the hard things and the right things and the godly things. Jesus says, there's those who, you you know, talk a good talk. They, in this passage, he says, they're the ones who say, God, we did all of this in your name. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. What matters is the fruit of your lives. What matters is what is produced in your life. Is it good fruit? Well, how do you know? He says, it's by what you do, not what you say. Don't just talk the talk, but actually walk the walk. That's what faithfulness is. That's what building on the rock is. So I want to ask you a question. Do you actually value faithfulness to God? Do you value faithfulness to God? I mean, I know we, have, we value a lot of different things, right? We certainly value, you know, you know, stability and success and financial security and looks and health and intelligence and safety. We value all of that. But what about faithfulness to God? The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. He says, I will continue to be faithful. I will press on. Now listen, if you and I are faithful and we see what that looks like in this passage, if we press on, if we keep persevering our house, which is our life, it will not be destroyed. We will be able to stand firm. We will be able to stand on our mountain. You know, uh, 
there's a story, there's this gal, her name's Emily Harrington, and she's from Tahoe City right here in California. She has climbed Mount Everest. It's the tallest mountain in the world. What a challenge, right? But she says her most challenging feat was trying to free climb the Golden Gate route of El Capitan in Yosemite. And to do that in one day without the help of any ropes or any other mechanism. Now, why is that a big deal? No woman has ever accomplished that, ever. And only three men have ever accomplished this feat. Now, she went after it and she tried and didn't succeed. She went after it again. She tried. She didn't succeed. She went after it a third time. She tried. She didn't succeed. In fact, she had such a dangerous fall, she had to be rushed to the hospital. But she kept persevering. She kept being faithful to this goal. She didn't want to give up trying to climb her mountain. Well, she tried again just a couple weeks ago on November 4th. She started her trip. Again, she wanted to do it in one day. She started at 1.34 a.m. on November 4th. Halfway up El Capitan, that granite face, she slipped. She took a major blow to her head with blood literally pouring down her face, running down the line that the person was helping belay her. She wasn't using, that was just a safety mechanism. Literally running down the line. Here's how she described that situation. She said this, I took, it, 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 I took like a weird sideways fall and I couldn't get my feet out in front of me and my head just like bounced into the wall. I got this weird puncture wound on my forehead and I don't think I had a concussion. I mean, I didn't lose consciousness or anything. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that just shows her spirit right there. I didn't really want to try again though but I felt like I owed it to myself to keep going. So I rested a little bit, which turned out to be an hour. I bandaged it, bandaged it up and I tried again. And Emily kept being faithful to that climb. She pressed on. And after 21 hours and 13 minutes and 51 seconds, Emily scaled El Capitan, becoming the first woman and only the fourth person to ever do that route without the help of ropes or any other mechanism. She persevered through all of her failures, her injuries, her lack of desire to keep going in that moment. She remained faithful to herself and to the climb and to the goal. She pressed on. Here's my question for you. What is your mountain before you that you must climb, that you must persevere through regardless of the obstacles in front of you, that you must remain faithful to, even if you failed once, twice, three times before. If you persevere with Jesus, if you will remain faithful, you will reach your top. You will reach your mountain peak, even when the storms come your way. Paul said this in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He said, if we remain faithful, there will be in store for us a crown of righteousness in heaven. So you know what that means, students? It means you you guys keep persevering in these difficult times. Keep doing your homework. Keep studying every day. I know it's difficult when you come to church stuff. Wear your mask. I know you don't want to do that. Keep persevering. Those who are married right now and you might be struggling, keep doing right by your marriage. 
Trust God. Trust God's ways. Trust his practices over your preferences. God will do right by you. If you're not married and you want to be, man, trust God. Stay sexually pure. Don't compromise. Be faithful to those who are jobless and keep doing your part to find a job. Leaning into Jesus, trusting that he will, he will provide for you. Trusting that in the right time, God will give you an opportunity. Be faithful to anyone who is struggling. Man, you just live out Jesus's ways, his practices over your preferences, and you'll be blessed. You'll be happy. You'll be the wise person who stands when any storm comes your way. Be faithful. The message on this beautiful mountain on the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee, it's put your life in Jesus. Put your life in Jesus. Don't just add them to your life. Don't just be a fan of Jesus. Be a true follower by practicing Jesus' words over your preferences. This week, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, read it. Read all about the practices Jesus has for your life and put them in your life. Also, be faithful. Be faithful to Jesus. Don't get caught up in someone else's journey. Don't get caught up in someone else's mountain that they're climbing. You climb your El Capitan and also grow privately. Don't just think about your public image. Grow privately, internally. Get right with God on the inside. So I close by asking you, will you be wise? By putting into practice the very words of Jesus or will you be foolish? Like the people who say, I'm not gonna put into practice what Jesus says. I'm gonna ignore it. I'm gonna follow my own heart, my own desires, my own opinions. The choice is yours. Wise or foolish, trust Jesus or trust ourselves. Who will you choose? Let's pray about that now. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come before you today recognizing that the teaching which we just glossed over on a high level is truly the most profound, most important, most amazing teaching in the history of humankind. And you're calling us to not just be fans, but to be followers of you, to trust your teachings, your practices, your ways, and to get right with you internally and just to keep being faithful. God, we want to be that wise person who builds on you. Our foundation is in you. And so if that's you, if you say, I'm in, I'm all in for Jesus. I'm going to be a follower and not a fan. Will you pray right now? Just say something like this. Just say, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm yours. I'm fully yours. You're the Lord of my life. And so I am going to trust you. I'm going to change the way I think by trusting your practices, your teachings over my preferences. And God, I, I'm telling you, God, right now, I, I'm gonna work on growing internally. I don't wanna just externally behave right, but I wanna be right internally. And I just wanna keep going and I wanna keep pressing on and I wanna be faithful and I wanna climb my rock. I wanna climb my mountain that's before me. God, that's my commitment to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. God, hear every single one of these prayers. May you be glorified as God, we put into practice your teachings because we want to be the wise ones who trust you with our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. 
We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.